Good morning, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing great, Rick. How are you? Good, good. So I wanted to have you on the show today because I wanted to talk about uh, affiliate marketing and list building. And cool. um, first of all, though, I'd like you to start off by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself. And how okay. You so my name is Dave Gambrel. I've been in the online space since actually the late 80s. We can get into that story if you want a little bit, but uh, really doing significant uh, list building and online marketing and affiliate marketing probably for the last 20, 25 years or so. Uh, I believe firmly that building your email list is one of the most powerful things you can do as a entrepreneur, whether you have a brick and mortar business or whether your business is online. I think there's a lot of value in having an email list and I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Uh, and that's what I spend a lot of my time doing now. I'm a speaker, trainer, coach, consultant. I do a lot of leadership training and things like that. But I found that one of the things that people really struggle with is this digital marketing side of the house. So I've been providing some guidance and some mentoring and some coaching on that uh, for about the last seven years or so. Okay. So when you say that list building um, is, is so important to um, business, whether it's brick and mortar or purely online, why don't we get into a little bit about that? And sure. Tell our leaders why, or our listeners why you think that's so important. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, the first thing I'll give you is an example. So if you are in the United States and you've been to any uh, major retailer or chain restaurant, you've probably noticed that they give you the opportunity to get your receipt delivered via email in the, and they use the guise of saving the environment, which that's not really what they're trying to do. They're trying to capture your email address. Uh, if you look at some of these reward programs that they have at uh, stores, things like that, they'll often uh, give you something of value in return for your email list. Why is that so critical? Because the email is still one of the best communication channels and essentially free communication channels. I mean, you have to pay for some of the marketing resources you might be using, but the infrastructure itself is free. Mm -hmm. People still get a pretty good open rate and you can control more of that conversation. In the old kind of online marketing days. It was build a website and hope people. And a lot of people still do that, unfortunately, but you can't really have a conversation with folks. You can't tell them when things are on sale. You can't build out a marketing message if you don't have an email list. So I think an email list is critical. And to the people that say emails going away, I don't know. I mean, even if you use Snapchat or Instagram or uh, Pinterest or any of those things, where do you get your notifications for those things sent to? They're sent to your email. So I think that's going to be around a long time. And, and one of the things that I always point people to a great resource, it's a free resource. It's a blog post by Kevin Kelly. It's called 1000 True Fans. Mm -hmm. And uh, I highly recommend people read that. It doesn't really talk about email lists building per se, but it does talk about how you can find these 1,000 true fans that will help support your business and essentially create a six-figure plus business for you. And I just have taken that and extrapolated it to the email side of the house. Yeah, so you know, when you're building your own email list, when you're, you know, just take the various different social media platforms out there, you know, when you're engaging with people out there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whichever platform you happen to be engaging in, you're still bound by the rules of that particular um, venue, that particular media, yep. and they really don't belong to you, you know, those, those people. But when you get them onto your own email list, you know, now you're free to communicate with them 
you know, and if for whatever reason, if they change their rules or hard to believe, let's say Facebook suddenly disappeared, you know, it's hard to believe that that would happen. Um, but changing their rules is not so hard to believe because we see it all the time. You know, you're still able to communicate with your people. You don't lose one third or all of your business. Yeah, I've heard it said, and I can't remember where I heard it, so I'd love to give proper attribution, but I've heard it said that if you build business on the most profitable McDonald's volcano, you just never know when that thing is going to erupt and why would you make a choice to put a super profitable business there and you know stuff can go sideways very quickly. So yes, uh, one of the things you want to do is make sure you capture those email addresses because you know Mark Zuckerberg might wake up today and decide that, Gonna, Facebook groups are not a good thing anymore. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Sure. Um, on my end, you broke up for a second when you were talking right before a volcano. So could you repeat that saying? Sure. So one of the things I've heard said is that, you know, building your business on Facebook and relying 100% on Facebook is like building a super profitable McDonald's on top of a volcano. Mm. So you wouldn't want to do that because, never know when that thing's going to erupt. You never know when Mark Zuckerberg is going to wake up and decide that today is the day that uh, Facebook groups are no longer active and all those people that you have in your groups are not something that you can uh, add value to and monetize. So yeah, I, th I think getting people on your email list is the most critical piece of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great way to build and you can continue to build your relationship with them, you know, in a much uh, more personalized way. Yep. You can just putting things out on, social media yep. and getting to know them better. One of the questions I put out to uh, some of my contacts um, for questions for you. And one question I got from somebody was, is it better to be doing affiliate marketing or doing like joint ventures with companies? Could you explain maybe whether there is a difference between joint venturing with a company and affiliate marketing or, or what are the similarities and what are their differences? Okay. It's essentially the same thing, but let me start from the beginning. So all affiliate marketing is, is this people are getting rewarded for sharing with other people, their tribe, their email list, their friends, whatever. And has a, about it from a business owner's perspective they typically don't pay any commissions or referral fees until they have a customer. So instead of spending their marketing dollars up front, they spend it on the back end and they really don't have any risk there because they don't have to pay out those marketing dollars until they have a paying customer. So I'll just give you an example. If you were to use uh, some of the major online uh, landing page builders, things like that, they will pay as an affiliate, they'll pay you from 25 to 40%, depending on which program you're a part of. And What's great about that is you learn how to use the product. You learn what works for you. You learn the tools that you're helping build a successful business for you. And when other people say, hey, Rick, how are you doing that? You just say, well, I'm using this or I'm using that. Uh, I'll send you my affiliate link. So in a nutshell, that's really all affiliate marketing is. That's, that's really it. You're just getting paid for referring business to this company. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the SaaS, so software as a service companies, find that to be a really, really good way to go. Uh, because again, they don't have to spend, right? One of the things you look at when you're building businesses is customer acquisition cost. 
And if you think about the old model of cell phones and things like that, they would, you know, essentially give you phones and sign you to a two-year contract mm -hmm. for service. And the reason why you had to do that was because it really didn't break even on you until year two, somewhere in the middle of, uh, you know, one and a half years in, they start making money on you. So their customer acquisition cost is huge. When you do affiliate marketing it from a business perspective, there is really no customer acquisition cost until you have a customer. Mm -hmm. So to answer the actual question that you asked, uh, what's the difference between affiliate marketing and joint venture? It's really the same. Um, most people refer to affiliate marketing on um, residual type thing, uh, software companies, and maybe joint venture would be more of these one-off product launches that people do. You'll see folks launch their courses and their training and their consulting online, and people will partner with them as a joint venture partner to help promote that. So it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So when you want to um, join an affiliate as an affiliate, um, a, a program as an affiliate marketer, what do you look for when you're evaluating a program? Well, that's a good question. And to be perfectly honest, when I first started doing this, all I looked is that they were going to pay me. And that was probably not, um, probably not the best uh, method uh, because there were other things that... I should probably have taken into consideration like uh, how good their service is, how good their support is, how good their onboarding is for people. So one of the things I look at now that I've been doing this for a while is, is the company solid? Do we have a values match? Is what they're offering going to help my tribe, my email list? Is it, is it a fit? Is it not a fit? So I look at those things, but I also really look at to be honest with you, which are the ones that are residual in nature? Because to me, it's just as hard to make a sale once where you only get paid once as it is to make a sale that you get paid over and over again. So if I'm going to refer people into a program, I'd rather tr try to get them into one that's residual because that just helps me over the long term. So yeah. those are some of the things that I look at. Yeah, and that last one's a really good point because, as you said, you know, it costs and it's just as much effort to make the sale once. But once they're in to the company, the company then takes over the process of selling them over and over again by providing good service and, and stuff and collecting the money. And if they're willing to pay you each month afterwards, you know, it makes much more sense. Yeah. And you're right. They spend a lot of money in retention to keep those people there. And typically what I might do is try to aid in that retention by making sure that they're following the onboarding procedure and getting up to speed. And uh, once they get going, uh, usually they tend to stick around, but you got to have people have success pretty quickly with these things. And then once they do, they tend to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the company's providing good service that they're getting value for, and uh, stuff. Now talk a little bit about onboarding or what you like to do to assist because um, I know you have Facebook groups that you set up um, in regards to certain things. What, is, what does it look like for you to assist people when they're first getting started? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things I look at, uh, another thing I look at these companies is what is their own onboarding and educational ecosystem, if you will, for people. And so if they have really, really strong ones, it makes it easier for me. Really what I'll do is I'll, um, I try to use the, the things that are outlined in the book, Influence by Robert Cialdini. Mm -hmm. So I, what I'll do is I'll start a Facebook group. I'll have some incentive to say, hey, if you want to join this program right now, 
here's my affiliate link. And what I will do is I'll put all of you in a Facebook group. Uh, we're going to limit it to, you know, less than 50 or something like that. And I'm not going to do a ton of teaching in there, but what I'll do is I'll help point you towards resources and suggest that you, you know, go through certain onboarding procedures. But the other thing it does is it creates social proof. Uh, it creates commitment and consistency because you have people in the group that are kind of on the same path. So then they start helping each other. And so all of that stuff just is a, is a mechanism where it kind of feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to do a ton with that other than get it started. But once I get it in there and kind of get the conversation going, other people jump in, share their thoughts, share what they're doing, share their successes, maybe share their struggles and other people will help them with those things like that. So that's, that's what I try to do. But honestly, if the, the, waste a lot of my resources duplicating that. Um, so I guess I would call it more of a handholding uh, routine and just yeah. getting people through it. And a lot of it, I mean, you have this kind of training too. A lot of it is just getting people to overcome their limiting beliefs and just keep telling them that they can do it. Yeah. It's really yeah. just a lot of that. As one of our common uh, mentors often says, oh, that's just BS. And then he talks belief system people. That's right. It's, this is a family place here. It's, we're talking belief system here. That's right. But um, I, I want to back up just for a second here. It occurs to me that since my show is going to be geared towards people who are looking just to get started, that they may not even understand the term onboarding. Um, so just explain a little bit for a second what you mean by um, the onboarding process. Okay. So one of the things that um, the companies that are successful do really well is they make sure that they have a path for their customers, an onboarding path. Um, whether it's videos or help documentation or support groups or Facebook groups or whatever, how do, you can't just sell somebody something, especially these technology uh, services. You can't just sell it to them and then say like, Hey Rick, thanks for joining our company. Have a good time. See you later. Mm -hmm. right? They need to lean in a little bit and help out. So a lot of these companies will have weekly webinars. They'll do, um, they'll have Facebook groups where they'll do screencasts and they'll talk about certain things. Uh, some of them have their own YouTube channels where each week they do uh, overviews of some of the things you can do with their products and services. So how, how does that work? Some of the companies that I've ha been an affiliate partner with in the past have a terrible onboarding and I didn't really understand that that was going to impact my tribe, my email list, my community uh, until I saw some people get in there. I'm like, Oh, maybe I need to step in there and help a little bit with that. Um, but that's the other thing, like we didn't get into this, but that's one of the things now that's critical for me is the the people that are on my email list, the people in my Facebook groups, the people in my tribe, they trust my recommendations. So I have to be very careful <clears throat> to make sure that whatever I'm recommending is something that will add value to them and will take care of them, if you will. Yeah. And that's kind of an unspoken thing, but very critical <laughs> is making sure that the people, you know, that you're protecting your, your listeners, you know, you're not there just to, um, to, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be earning a living or earning income through your recommendations, but you also are building trust with them. You're truly not as an affiliate marketer or an ethical affiliate marketer. You really don't want to be recommending products and stuff that just isn't going to be beneficial to your tribe. And, Maybe now we should segment over and talk a little bit again about email lists. And when we're talking about tribe, you know, it's also important to consider the interests of your particular tribe, or you may have several tribes 
you know, maybe you're very interested in yourself in physical fitness and things like that. So you build a tribe around that, but you also have an interest in um, online businesses. So you build a tribe that's based around that. You know, you're not necessarily going to be sending a lot of online business type stuff to your tribe that's interested in the physical fitness. You know, you're going to be um, feeding them the information and stuff that they're really interested, their main interest in. Yeah, correct. You know. Yeah, and so many of the email service providers that are out there, even the beginner ones, allow you to do some kind of segmentation or tagging of your audience. So what you can do is you can say, okay, Rick's interested in this and this, but not this. And then when you go and send out an email about that third thing, you can send it to a list, a segment that excludes you because you're not interested in that, mm -hmm. that one thing. And if you're interested in those other two things and you can make sure you do that. So there's, they're, they're making it a lot easier now to do that. Um, years ago it was, you needed probably a degree in computer science to figure it out. But now programs are making it very simple for you to when you are capturing names and email addresses you can also put some other fields or uh, radio buttons or check boxes or whatever to say hey you know click the thing that you're interested in and I'll make sure I keep you updated on those so yeah I think it's critical too because the other thing is that you know people generally uh, get a lot of emails and you want to make sure that they're opening your emails and so if you're not sending things that are a value to them then over time they're not going to be open, opening it and that actually hurts your email deliverability because many of you, the people on your email list will have Gmail email addresses and Gmail runs all of these algorithms and starts to figure out that um, every time you send an email, it's not really getting opened. And so maybe it goes to the spam or the promotions tab or something like that. So really want to make sure that you're sending stuff of value that people are going to open and click into and engage with to make sure that they keep seeing your emails. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about value. Um, but first, I want to talk about because one of the questions I got back from uh, when I put out the inquiry was how do you get people on your email list to begin with? <laughs> you know, mm. How are you finding these people and, and what are you doing to give them value right off the bat that they will give you your email list or their email address? Yeah, great question. So this is called a opt-in magnet or a lead magnet or an ethical bribe or whatever you want to call it. Um, if you look in the restaurants, like I mentioned before, if you look at like uh, Chili's or TGI Fridays or chain restaurants like that, typically to get you to enroll in the rewards program, which is essentially just enrolling in their email list, they'll offer you a free drink or a free appetizer or a free dessert or something, right? So it costs them five bucks or something. Yeah. Um, in this case, what you can do for your email list, there's lots of ways to do it. You could run contests or giveaways to get people to uh, give up their email address. Um, and you want to make sure you run giveaways that are congruent with what it is you're talking about to your point before about segmenting. <clears throat> create something that will help, huh? that will help. We lost you for a second. You were talking about uh, creating something for segmenting. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, you want to make sure that you're creating something that meets the needs of your segments that you set up like we just talked about. So, one of the things you could do is you could ask people 
in your social media circles, in whatever list you currently have, maybe just when you're out at networking events, questions like what is your biggest challenge with leadership development? What is your biggest challenge with digital marketing? What is your biggest challenge with whatever? Start getting some feedback and you'll start getting some theme, just like questions. To understand. And then you uh, YouTube video, if you want, you don't need to make it super sophisticated and just say, Hey, these are the top seven mistakes people are making with leadership development, or these are the top seven questions people are asking about getting started with building an email list. And then, you know, give me your name and email address and I'll see you on the other side. And then you share it through a video. Maybe you have a download that they can get. So really it's, it's helping move them along on their own success path and how can you just provide information to them or something of value that will help their current situation. Yeah. So we lost you for a little bit there, but I, I just want to recap. We're talking about um, an ethical bribe. So you, you create something like a PDF report or a YouTube video or some other um, you know, series of videos or lessons that they can have. Um, it doesn't have to be a large thing or, 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 or um, big production value, um, but it has to have the informational value that's, that the people are interested in. And, um, and you offer that in exchange for the email. Yep. People give them the email, they get access to that information for free. Yep. Yeah. Now with the changes, this just is a question that just occurred to me now. With the changes with the GDPR, if I got those acronyms right, um, and the privacy laws, um, if we're marketing online, do we have to be very, you know, we're here in the U.S., but a lot of our customers may be over in Europe. Um, how do we work around that? I, I know it's not your main area of expertise, but if you have anything to say about that, what would you suggest? <clears throat> Yeah, good question. And what I, of course, I would tell you is uh, consult your local legal people. <clears throat> but uh, generally speaking, if you have, if you if you're very clear in your wording and paid, I'm going to continue to send you updates or a newsletter or whatever. Uh, and if you want to put a little box under there that they have to check, so they enter their name and email address, and maybe they check this box. It's just giving you positive confirmation that that's that they're okay with that, that they understand that's what they're getting. So many of the services now are providing that as part of what they're doing. They're providing guidance on that. So if you're using an email marketing service, there's lots of options that you can do to make sure that you literally check that box. Yeah. Um, however, I will just comment that the group that has put together this whole GDPR campaign they don't have a, a body or a budget for investigating these things or holding people accountable. Like they, they came out with these recommendations, but I don't know who would chase you down and say, Rick, you're not doing this right. It, it, there's no, there's no organization set up to do that. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, you know, it, it's a step in the right direction. I get what they're trying to do, but um, I'm not really sure if there's any way to enforce it right now. But, you know, you don't want to put yourself in legal jeopardy. So, of course, don't take 
what I just said is legal advice, check with your local legal folks before you decide what to do. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I remember getting started online back in the late nineties somewhat and you know, the abuses of the way people were abusing email. And I mean, people still do abuse email. I don't get the point of abusing it because it's just, I, I can't imagine that it's really all that profitable. But the, before the, the Spam Act, Can Spam Act, it was just crazy the, the kind of way they would just bombard you with emails, boom, 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 um, and not taking you off, your, off their list when you requested them to and stuff. So, yep. you know, it is good that they're looking into privacy issues, but without a, a body to enforce the rules, we wonder what's, what's going to yeah. happen. And we should probably jump into real quick, just, we haven't talked about this, so I want to make it clear. You should only be having people on your email list that have opted in to your email list, which means, yeah, they have gone and said, hey, Rick, I want you to send me an email. I get a lot of questions from people who say, hey, can I buy a list? Can I have the Chamber of Commerce list? Can I just send them emails? No, you cannot send them emails. You should not send them emails. You should get them to opt in. Now, if you have something like a chamber of commerce list, I mean, think about what that is. It's a group of people who want to do business. So what you could do is you could perhaps send a one-time email to that list of people and say, Hey, my name's Rick. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my business. Here's the value I provide. I have all this information. I would love to continue to send you, but I'm never going to send you another email again, unless you opt in here or click in here. So it's, basically an invitation for them to opt in. But you got to make sure that you don't send any of those people following emails if they don't actually opt in to your system. So you got to be very careful about how you do that. But that is one strategy that you can utilize just to make sure that you get positive opt-ins. But that's where a lot of the abuse comes. Um, and how I know that is I have probably 150 email addresses and I can do all kinds of variants of them if I want. So I can tell sometimes where people got that from, what source they got it from. And then they're emailing me and I'm like, hey man, I, I wrapped it in. You got that from over here or whatever. There's a way for people to get them through LinkedIn and all kinds of other stuff. So, but if you send me that one-time invitation and I want your stuff, then I'll opt in. If not, I'll just delete it and hopefully I don't hear from you again. So there are ways to do that. As far as buying lists goes, I would never do that. It's it doesn't really make any, any sense. They don't know who you are. They don't know, like, and trust you. I don't know why they would ever buy from you. So I don't ever recommend that. Sure. So say somebody in, in, sticking with the list building here, you had mentioned um, giveaways, mm -hmm. something to do for, for building your list. So um, a, a contest giveaway. So explain to somebody who maybe is brand new, isn't sure what they want to um, produce for themselves yet, but they really want to get started with their list. And um, we'll keep it simple since a lot of our common uh, ground is uh, uh, coaching and leadership and development type people um, at the moment. We use that as an example. So what, what could somebody do as a giveaway if they don't have their own things set up and ready yet, but they really want to hit the ground running. Yep. Okay. So first of all, there's a site you can use. It's totally free. It's called King Sumo, kingsumo.com. You can run a giveaway through there. Um, 
it integrates with some of the other email service providers like MailChimp and you can download the email list there and upload it to your own list if you want. So that is one of the more popular ones for me. Um, and I, I use that myself. Then what I would do as far as a giveaway is make it be congruent with whatever it is you're doing. So maybe you have uh, many of our um, common uh, people in our tribes have access to autograph books from thought leaders and leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have access to experiences or leadership simulcast tickets to those kind of things you could give away. So what I would do is make a big package like that. Like I got a signed book from this person or, you know, you're going to get two tickets to this event or I'm going to give you some free coaching, you know, as part of this, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get, you know, three months of coaching with me or whatever the case may be, but make it congruent with what it is you're offering. Right? don't do a Kindle. We've lost you again. So, you were talking. Yeah, we I'm wondering. It doesn't look like it's on my end. Huh. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, must be on my end. I don't know. Yeah, I'm have I have a pretty good feed here. Um, so where do you want me to start over with that? Yeah, you were just starting to. You were explaining why you should make it congruent to the audience that you're targeting. Gotcha. And okay. Giveaway. Yeah. So. Okay. So either. The giveaway. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why you want to make it congruent with your audience, because if you give away a uh, Kindle fire or something like that, then people that don't really care about leadership training or coaching or consulting are going to want that. And you're going to get people on your list that don't really care about what is your offering. So make it congruent, uh, make it pretty big, like make it, make it worthwhile. And then when you use something like King Sumo, which is really nice, it, there's a viral aspect to that where on their confirmation page, those folks can share the giveaway with other people. <clears throat> and that's where you really start to get the benefit because you're going to only be able to send it out to the people you know, but if they send it out to people that you don't know and they send it out to people that you don't know, then you start to build a critical mass of people that are interested in this subject. <clears throat> yeah. And to your point with the Kindle Fire, I recently tried to do a giveaway and uh, or I did run a giveaway. And one of the Boy. <coughs> well, that's embarrassing. Excuse me one second. So anyway, yeah, as I was saying, I started to give sure. away uh, um, several books and they were in the, they were congruent to the tribe, but I was also giving away a Kindle Fire um, in, in the uh, giveaway. And one, I didn't get a very good response because I'm just learning how to do this, um, that particular aspect. But two, you know, to your point of, you know, a lot of people could be interested in the Kindle Fire while they're not interested in my coaching services or they're not interested in leadership and communication development and things like that. So yep. I end up getting, could end up getting people on my list that just aren't really interested in, in um, hearing more from me. So that just can damage my reputation by sending them information that they're not interested in and is a waste of my time and, and the value that I've um, yep. invested in the books and, and uh, stuff that I'm giving away. So yeah, it's very important to make sure it's, it's a, a, a worth their effort and time to join the email list or enter the contest, but it has to be very focused and, and on to, on point for their interests. Yeah, very much so. Exactly. 
So is there anything else you'd like to share with us about um, email marketing or um, affiliate marketing kind of to wrap this up? We're, we're running up to the end of our time here. Yes. Yeah, so I always like to tell people this. The best time to start building your email list was 10 years ago. Yeah. The next best time is right now. So if you're not already doing it, do it. Start. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. If you can't figure out how to do it, there's lots of resources out there for you. If you just go to some of the services that provide email service providers like MailChimp or AWeber or Drip or whatever, if you go take their free accounts, there's plenty of training to get you started. And I just start. You have a mental block. Most people have a mental block thinking they can't do it they can most certainly do it. We don't have enough time for me to give you all these examples, but there's plenty of people that you and I both know that a year ago thought they couldn't do it and they weren't tech savvy. And now they have huge lists with thousands of people on it. Yeah. So you can do it. It's not hard. Uh, although I wouldn't say it's easy, but it is, right? The, the steps are simple. You just have to put forth the effort to make it happen. And if you see the value in having that email list, and to me, that's the gold mine. That is a cash cow of any business these days, then you will persevere through whatever mental blocks you have to make that happen. So I would just say, if you don't already have an email list, you should start today. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dave. And um, if somebody wanted to contact you, is there um, some way, what's the best way for them to contact you? Or is it okay for somebody to contact you? Yeah, it's always okay for somebody to contact me. I would point them to uh, my website, gambrel.com. That's G-A-M-B-R-I ll.com mm -hmm. slash H-E-L-P information about certain things if they want to learn more about affiliate marketing um, things like that that would be a good place for them to go okay fantastic on my end it froze up again for a second when you were giving your website address so repeat that one more time sure it's dot com com slash help and you can fill out that information there there's even a question like i talked about before what is your biggest challenge right now and if you answer that information there i'll get back to you and i'll be able to share some resources with you okay davegambrell.com slash help all right dave thank you very much for your time okay thanks rick